Good morning, guys. It is great to be with you today. I, I'm a little tired, so I'm going to sit down today. I, uh, I suffer from a chronic condition. Maybe you've heard of it. It's OMD. It's a very serious condition. OMD. Anybody heard of it? Old man's disease. And unfortunately, they liked it. Unfortunately, what happens is uh, no matter what the, the time does, my body always gets up at the same time. So I was up at 3.41 this morning, wide awake, thinking this really sucks. But anyway, it is great to be here. I'm, I'm fully caffeinated, more or less. Any moment, moment now, I'm sure it's going to kick in. At least I hope it will. Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. If you've got your Bible or your Bible app, might want to grab your phone, put it on silent, and find your Bible app, and uh, uh, get there in just a second. We're going we're gonna to jump in and talk about 1,000 gifts, part one today, the choice. Before we do, I just want to add my little thank you. I want to make sure you guys know how important it is what you do around here, whether it's SOS, serve our schools, uh, what we've done in community, what we did last night. You know, I have received a couple of emails this last week. Tiffany, our receptionist, received a couple of phone calls. And they usually go like this. What's wrong with you guys? Why do you call it Halloween? Why do you do a Halloween party? That's of the devil. And uh, we, get, we get comments. And uh, I'm sure, in fact, every year, I'm absolutely certain every year, there's probably at least a handful of people who leave our church because of it. Can I tell you that we've got 1,500 plus reasons why we do that? 1,500 people came here, and the overwhelming majority of them, because I was at the door, they, they came in thinking, what is this? They, they have not been here before. And one story, one guy, I've never met him before, his, uh, uh, he has a friend who does go here. He uh, is one of those guys that swore he would never, ever darken the doors of a church. Hates church. And by the way, hates pastors too. Um, so I'm dressed like a pumpkin, and uh, he walks in the front door last night, and I literally saw him stop, and you could see the turmoil in his face. I didn't know this guy. I didn't know his story. I heard about it afterwards. And this is the, this guy's very first time in a church building in a long, long, long time, and he had fun. And for him to leave here last night, I go, wow, I didn't know that A, God could be fun, B, that people were kind and giving, uh, is why we do this, guys. And one last little comment, because I just, man, you could help me next year as we get closer. When people say, you know, it's, we're, we're supporting and celebrating a, something that's dark and evil. I like to say this. I wrote this in the emails and my reply to the people who, who uh, emailed me. Listen, Jesus entered into our darkness to bring the light, to bring the good news. I'll enter into any darkness to do the same. Any. Yeah. So... Thank you guys again for being a part of that. And if it really is something you don't like, you want to be a part of, I don't care. You don't have to come. Just don't email me. <laughs> uh, like I mentioned, we're starting a brand new series today, one that I'm very excited about. Uh, it was based on the title I ripped off from us, Ann Voskamp's book. How many of you have read this book, Ann Voskamp? It's a New York Times bestseller. It's an incredible book. I love this book. And we are selling it uh, at cost in the back, cheaper than you can find it at any store, uh, back information table, if you want to pick it up. But um, Ann Voskamp is uh, a farmer's wife. She and her husband, he's the farmer, and she refers to him as the farmer again and again in the book. They uh, live in Ontario, Canada, in the Mennonite countryside of Ontario, and uh, she wrote this book, which just is incredibly unique and amazing. It's almost poetic. It's not poetry, but she did a great job of expressing 1,000 gifts. And the Lord began to speak to her about just uh, identifying the things that she was grateful for in her life. And in chapter 2 of the book, she asked this very penetrating question. And I have it underlined and highlighted in my copy of the book. She said, how do we live fully so that we are fully ready to die? Now, just let that simmer for a second in your head. How do we live fully 
so that we are fully ready to die? That is a very good question. Now, I imagine there's dozens of good answers that we could give to this. Uh, lots of things that we could unpack that, well, we live fully by taking risks. We live fully by having faith. We live fully by, by, you know, focusing on others and caring for others. All of those are great and true answers. But her passionate answer throughout the book, and she's on to something here. Her passionate answer is that we choose to be thankful. How do we live fully is we choose to be thankful right where we are. There's something about thankfulness. And we're going to be talking about it all month long. Uh, this week, all five Sundays of this, this month, we'll take a look at different aspects of this. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to be thankful even when things aren't so thankful. You're not so happy about what's going on in your life. But this issue of thankfulness changes everything because it changes us. And when we get this, it really does change our perspective of God, our perspective of our life. And she says the way that we get there is that we choose to be thankful right where we are. But let's be honest. Some of us uh, don't like the things that are happening to us or around us. And being thankful is the last thing um, we feel like being. And like I said, I'll address that next week. Sometimes we get lost in a maze of life. We get lost in the confusion of things. Anybody besides me ever wonder, what? We just, it's like, what is going on? And I don't understand this, and I'm trying to do my best, and I'm being a good guy and a good gal. I'm trying to take care of my family, trying to love Jesus, and then things just go sideways. Anybody else? They just go sideways. Like, what is going on? And sometimes it's hard when we're confused to be thankful. I, had, I will admit that. We had this room called Pitch Black. You guys liked it, didn't you? The uh, youth were crazy. And uh, we, it was, uh, we didn't scare people. At least we didn't do any spooky, scary stuff, I don't think. Not that I know of. But, but the feeling of being in that room, I, I, I went for about 10 feet and I said, I'm out of here. I'm, the feeling of being in pitch blackness and a maze, not knowing how to get from point A to point Z, is terrifying. It's hard when you're in that place to be thankful, I know. And sometimes we take things for granted. We have perhaps what has been commonly referred to, referred to as an entitlement attitude or entitlement mentality. Now, rather than an attitude of gratitude, we think we take things for granted. And we think, well, of course I should have that. Well, I deserve that. Well, you know, and we don't even, we, we move beyond being thankful. I found this YouTube video. Now, uh, the quality is not the greatest. The guy, quite frankly, is not the greatest. I am not recommending Louis C.K. Louis C.K. is funny, but I do want you to watch this video. It kind of underlines where we're going today. Let's watch this. Everything's so amazing and nobody's happy. I am so like that guy sometimes, though. Instead of choosing to be grateful about the amazing things in my life, I moan and I complain. I've been that guy. And I think we laugh at him because we all identify. We've taken so many things for granted. I was in the hospital. Most of you know I had uh, surgery, cancer surgery just over four years ago. And uh, I, I, I will confess, I hate hospitals. I, I love the fact that we have them. I love modern medicine. I'm thankful for doctors and all of that. I'm, I'm just, the whole process, the experience is one that I dread a lot. And uh, I came out of surgery, came out of recovery, and I'm in my room, and I'm all doped up, and, and the nurse walks in. And by the way, if you're ever my nurse in the hospital, I apologize now. Just uh, up front, I'll just tell you I'm sorry, because I'm like the worst patient on the planet. I'm horrible, and I'm mean, and my wife doesn't even come and visit me. That's how bad I am in the hospital. 
So, I, you know, and, and I said, go, leave me alone. You know, I'm just, I'm grumpy, I'm not happy. And, and uh, you know what they do now is that they like five minutes after surgery, they want you up walking around the hallways. Get up, you got to move. I don't want to move. Get up. I got tubes everywhere. Get up. I got a thing I got to haul with me. Get up. My backside's exposed. Get up. So anyhow, the nurses, you got to take a walk. So I'm taking a walk with my little thing and, and walking down the hallways. And, and I, I got up on a fairly frequent basis. I was in the hospital, I think, three or four days and three nights. But here's what I began to experience. And, I, you know, I credit God for this because it was not my natural response. But as I'm walking around the halls, uh, I'm beginning to notice the other people. And I see an old man, uh, he's not that much older than me, but an old guy, who every time over the three days I was there, every time I walked by his room, his doors wide open, and nobody was there with him. He was all by himself. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm not pleasant to visit, but at least I have people that want to see me. I walked around at, at one point. I think it was the second day I was there. I had no idea what was going on, why. I wanted to walk in the room and just say, can I help you? And but there was a young woman and her husband, I assume it was her husband, and she was just weeping. I mean wailing in this room. And so loud, finally the guy got up and closed the door, but it broke my heart. Uh, another situation, I, I, I remember walking by a guy's room, and I don't know what he was there for at that time, but you could tell that he was dealing with uh, cancer. He'd lost all his hair, and he was very, very thin. And I began to think as I walked through those halls, you know, I, I have so much to be thankful for. The doc said, hey, we got it all. Cancer's out. Looks good. You think you're going to be fine? You know, I, I had so much I could be thankful for, and yet it was so easy for me to complain. Well, I had to turn to Luke 17. Let's take a look at the story of 10 guys. 10 guys, nine of which are a lot like me. One who I want to be more like. Luke 17, we'll pick it up, verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, this is Jesus. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So he's on the border of these two countries. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice. These guys are shouting, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And I don't think they just said it once. I think they're jumping up and down. They're creating a lot of commotion. They're trying to get Jesus' attention. Verse 14, when he saw them. I love that phrase. I could spend an hour just talking about the fact that Jesus saw them. Jesus saw. He wasn't too busy to stop. He wasn't too important to not care. He saw them. And when he saw them, he said, and he's probably yelling back at them because they're still at a distance, go show yourselves to the priest. Okay. And as they went, they were cleansed. The priests in that day were the only ones who could sign off saying someone's healed of leprosy. And so when Jesus says, go share yourself the priest, there's an anticipation. Wow, I guess we're going to get healed. I don't know. Are you healed yet? I don't know. But they turn around and they start to the priest. And as they went, it says they were cleansed. We'll come back to that. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, wait, listen. I love that sound. Sorry. Squirrel. I just... I just love the sound of rain in our building. It reminds me how good God is. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. A lot of loudness going on here. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And now Jesus is saying this to the other guys around him, the, the disciples. Verse 19, then he said to him, to this man who was healed, he returned, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Rise and go, your faith has made you whole. Ten guys 
healed of leprosy, but only one returns to say thank you. I find that unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Ten guys are incredibly changed, impacted, their entire life restored, and only one returns to say thankful, thank, thank you. Lepers of Jesus' day were outcasts in that society. Think of the worst, you know, thing that you could be exposed to today. I heard yesterday on the news that there's a, I think it's a high school kid or youth that has bubonic plague in Oregon, uh, rare that it happens now. But um, imagine, you know, the, the, the worst thing you could be exposed to. Ebola, bubonic plague, something like that. And, and that's what these guys have in that culture. They were forced to leave their homes. They were forced to leave their families. They were forced to leave their communities. They were forced to leave their synagogues, their places of worship. And in fact, they were typically to keep a distance of no less than 100 paces from anybody. And when they came into a, an area that had people, that had bodies, that had uh, villages or people, they were to yell out, unclean, unclean, just to make sure that nobody would get close to them and touch them. In fact, in the Jewish culture, lepers were considered legally dead. That if, if you got, you know, uh, leprosy, that your family could actually say you're dead. If you had sons, they could say, my dad is dead. I want my inheritance. Because in that culture, that's how bad this was. Now, I don't want anybody to lose their breakfast, and I'm not doing this for the shock value, but I, I have actually a relatively mild picture I want you to look at. This is a guy that has leprosy. And believe me, that's a fairly mild one of the ones I looked at. It's a horrific infectious disease that causes skin lesions, nerve damage, they often experience a loss of their ears, their nose, their fingers, and their toes. And it's a horribly, horrible way to die. So again, see the picture. Jesus is walking into a, a, an area on the border of Samaria and Galilee. Verse 10, excuse me, verse 12, it says, Ten men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. These are desperate men in a desperate situation. I, I wish somehow I could paint a better picture of how horrible these guys have it. Their life is, is terrible. And yet somehow, somewhere along the line, they heard about this itinerant rabbi named Jesus who had the power to heal. Maybe they'd heard some other stories about how he healed people with leprosy and how he actually touched them. And boom, it was gone. We don't know exactly why. Maybe it was one of the guys. Maybe they'd all heard. Maybe they heard Jesus was coming, he was close, and that's why they moved toward him. But somewhere along the line, they, they had this idea that Jesus could change their lives. Now, it's highly likely that most of the people walking with Jesus, the disciples and the group around him, were at least a bit concerned when they saw these 10 guys. Again, 10, I, I guess, I could, and not to make light of it at all, but it's like seeing the walking dead. 10 zombies coming at you. These guys are freaking out. The disciples are not happy. They're concerned, uh, maybe even a little annoyed. Don't these guys know they're not supposed to be? What are they doing? Some of them had watched Jesus heal a leper before. They'd seen him. They knew he could. They'd even seen Jesus touch a leper, which, by the way, made Jesus unclean and, and was like unheard of in that culture. But these 10 guys made this a very potentially dangerous situation. If they got too close, they could stone them. They could literally kill them. And just the size of the group, again, made people nervous. Now, we don't know for sure, but I think that's why Jesus didn't have them come. I think because of the size of the crowd and he sensed what was going on, that's why he didn't say, come here, guys, come on in. I think it's also why he didn't approach them. Well, what did he do? Well, verse 14, when he saw them, he just said, guys, go show yourselves to the priests. Go, 
Show yourselves a priest. It says, and as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. What's interesting to note here is it says, as they went. All ten of them were healed. But not at the command of Jesus. Not at the touch of Jesus. But as they obeyed his instructions. Man, there's another lesson there I don't have time to unpack today. Now, I believe that all healing is a gift from God. It's his favor in our life that we can never, it's not like we earn it. But I also believe that there are times when God says, I want to do something in you. I want to do something through you. I want something for you. But until you choose, what if the guy said, bag it, forget it. We're not going to the priest. Those guys, they wrote us off. No way. I'm not going to do it. What if they had said no? It says that as they went. We cannot miss this. As they obeyed, as they followed the instructions of Jesus, it says they were healed. The miracle happened to them as their actions demonstrated their faith. Let me say that again. The miracle happened to them as their actions demonstrated their faith. The very fact that they turned around and moved toward the priest is a statement that they believed. But here's what I want to get at, the heart of what I want you to understand today, and the most important thing, and it's a simple thing, but it'll change your world if you get it. We can choose to be thankful. Ten men were healed, but only one. In fact, a despised Samaritan man returned to say thank you. We can choose. Verse 15 again, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back. Now, can you imagine, again, Use that God-given imagination. I love to dial this up for people. I have quite an imagination. I, I love to, uh, you know, see in my mind's eye pictures. And I can just see this, these guys that are walking along. And uh, we don't know if it was, boom, instantaneously they were completely healed or that with each step some other thing happened in their body. I, we don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that recording when I get to heaven because I'm pretty sure God's going to have a library of all the things we can watch when we get there. But uh, this, these guys, well, I mean, all of a sudden it says that, that, that they realize then when he, they saw this guy, he looked down and he realized, I'm healed. Can you, for even a second, imagine the joy, the, the incredible, overwhelming response of his heart? Oh, my goodness. We don't know whether he lived with this condition for months or years or decades. But suddenly, boom, God begins to move in his life. And when he saw it was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. You would, too. <laughs> He would too. And then he threw himself. I just, I, get, I just get so moved by this picture. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. To lay at someone's feet, is, to prostrate, is a, as a statement, is an, as an act of surrender and worship. And he says he threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And then Luke gives us this little insight. insight. And he was a Samaritan. Uh, a month or so ago, Dr. Jeff mentioned Samaritans are so despised, so hated by the Jews. There's all this tension between them. And the one guy who comes back, Luke points out, is a Samaritan. The one guy that you wouldn't expect to come back comes back to Jesus. And he didn't just come back and say, hey, high five, Jesus. What he does was he fell at Jesus' feet. And I imagine he's kissing the feet of Jesus and he's crying out, thank you. He threw himself in an act of humility and worship at the feet of Jesus. Can I insert another little thought? Provoking thought, I hope. Sometimes we hold back when we need to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Sometimes we need to see what he has done for us. And even if there's things we still need or want, we need to come to him and just say, oh, God, my, my very life is because of you. Well, Jesus asked the guy, and I'm sure with a smile, you know, thanks, you know, it's so amazing, but 
What are the other guys? Which begs the question, why didn't the others show the same gratitude? Why didn't they choose well? Well, we don't know for sure, but I'm going to suggest it's for the same reason we don't sometimes. It's because we take things for granted. We take things for granted. We just don't pause long enough to really be grateful for all that we do have. How many times have I been the guy stuck in traffic complaining that I've got to go 30 miles an hour instead of 70 miles an hour? When, as, you know, Louis C.K. mentioned, you know, there used to be a day it would take weeks. Imagine, we go 70 miles an hour. Do you know that if you were walking that, it would take you two or three or four days at 20 miles a day? It would take you a long time. We go 70 miles in an hour. And when we get a little bit of traffic, we get all grumpy and come home miserable and kick the dog and yell at our wife and, you know, get ornery. Why? Because, well, you know, the traffic was bad today. How many times have I been that guy moaning and groaning? And I, I, I've been, because of my back, I've been in PT twice a week. I've been in chiropractor twice a week. I've been the doctor. I went to see the doc on Thursday. And I had just written this message Wednesday, and I'm in the doctor's office, and I'm complaining. I'm such an idiot. Complaining about the fact that i got to wait 20 minutes for the doctor. Doesn't he know I'm a busy guy? When there are, listen, there are hundreds of millions, probably billions of people on the planet who have no access to modern medicine. My brother's a missionary in Mozambique, Africa. You only go to the hospital there when you want to die. It's not a safe place. It's not a clean place. It's not a good place. And I'm complaining because I've got to wait 20 minutes for the doc. How many times have you and I grumbled to God about not having something we need, which usually means something we want, rather than being thankful for all that we already have? We take things for granted. Speaking of that, did you know that the average human takes about 23,000 breaths a day? If you ever get on a game show and they ask that question, I just helped you win right there. 23,000 breaths every day. How many of you thought about that today already? No, we, we, we don't. We just, we just, yeah, well, I'm breathing. It's good. I'm, I'm upright and breathing. It's a good day. But the fact is that we, each one of them is a gift from God. What would happen if we had a change in our perspective where we begin to truly live thankful lives? God, my next breath is a gift from you. You know, whether you're poor or rich, strong or weak, regardless of whether you're famous or infamous, whether you're gorgeous like my wife or homely and old like me, each and every day is a gift from God. Each and every breath is a gift from him. In fact, and can I say this with a little bit of tenderness and compassion, even if your world has recently been turned upside down, and I get the prayer request, I talk to many of you, I know some of you are going through really tough times. But even if your world's been recently turned upside down, you can find something, something to be thankful for. And what I'm encouraging you to do today is to do so because when you do, it changes you. It may not change your circumstances, but it changes you. The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 12, 28, Therefore let us be thankful. There it is. Let us be thankful that we are part of an unshakable kingdom and offer to God worship that pleases him and reflects the awe and reverence we have toward him. I want to read that again. I love this verse. The writer says, therefore, let us be thankful. Be, choose to be thankful. That we are part of an unshakable kingdom. And then as a result of that, because of that, let's offer worship that pleases God. 
and reflects the awe and the reverence we have toward him. What's this writer saying? He's saying that even when our world is trembling and shaken, we can be thankful because we have an unshakable kingdom. See, the kingdom of God in the New Testament, and I don't have time to unpack this, so I'll tell you this. What it refers to is that rule and reign of God in our lives. The kingdom of God is not the sweet by and by, though it will be there as well. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. It's here. Because when God's rule and reign invades our lives, it brings the kingdom. And we can put our focus there on this unshakable reality that God is in control even when it seems like there is no control. God is, does have a plan even when it seems like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for my life even when I don't understand it. Even when I don't like what's happening around me, I can put my focus on an unshakable kingdom. And the fact is that that kingdom is the only one that lasts forever, by the way. The 60, 70, 80, 90 years, maybe if you're, you know, 100 years, you have on this planet are nothing, a blip on the radar screen compared to what we'll have in eternity with him. Now, does that make light of your suffering now? No. Am I saying, oh, oh well, you know, no, not at all. I understand that the horror, the hor horrible life that some of you are pressing through right now. But what I'm encouraging you to do is to focus your eyes on an unshakable kingdom and to thank God for that reality. Can I suggest to you that thankfulness is a choice? It's a choice. It's a choice. And it starts with the decision to have an attitude of gratitude no matter what, to look for something to be thankful for. It's not an emotion, by the way. I think, you know, the argument sometimes is, well, you know, I don't feel very thankful, therefore I will not be thankful, because that would be hypocritical. It's a choice. And here's what happens. You make the choice, the feelings follow. I speak from experience, and I know this to be truth. We, we, we make the choice, the feelings follow. We don't just go to the emotional route because we think, well, I don't feel that way, so I won't be, or if I do feel that way, I will be. No, we choose to be thankful. The choice to fall at the feet of Jesus and to humbly say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have way more than I deserve. Way more. And even when there are things happen around me and to me that are twisted and wrong and I don't understand, I still have you, Father. And I still have my eternal destiny in an unshakable kingdom. We can choose. We can choose. Or we can be like the majority around us or like those nine guys the 90% of those guys who got healed, and just take it for granted and move on. I want to encourage you to be the one. But today finds something to be thankful for, to choose to be thankful and to fall at his feet and say, Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. All right, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you love us and that your kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. And that those two realities will never change, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, no matter what's happening now, what may happen tomorrow, what might happen five years from today, ten years from today, that the truth is you love us. You are a good Father. And we are part of an unshakable kingdom that will last forever. These bodies, Lord, they break. Stuff rust. Stuff gets destroyed. Hard things happen in this life. I know that. But God, this morning, help us to turn our eyes to you and to choose, to choose to say, thank you, Jesus, for what I do have. Thank you for my next breath. Thank you for the love that you've given to me. Thank you for the grace that I have. 
Thank you for the mercy you've shown me. Thank you, God, that there are so many things that I, I do not deserve, and yet they are gifts from you. Thank you. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute. Maybe you're here today, and you're really struggling to choose. Here's a, a little thing I didn't unpack for you, but I want you to hear it now. We choose, and then God empowers. Here's the cool thing about walking with him, is that he asks us to do things that are beyond us, way bigger than us. But when we say yes, then he empowers us to do those things. I'm asking you to make the decision to say, yes, God, I will, I will choose. I choose to say thank you. And what I know is the second, the instant, the moment you do, all of heaven comes to back up that choice. God empowers you to become a thankful person. And it'll change you. It'll change your, your personality. It'll change your, your persona. It'll change your attitude. It'll change the way you relate to people. It'll change the way you relate to God. Or maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower, but you know it's time. And somehow in your heart today you get, God loved me so much he sent his son to die for me. And Jesus lives for me. And I get that. And I, I'm so grateful. And this moment right now, you just feel this overwhelming gratitude to God for his gift of salvation that he's offering to you. Again, though, we have to choose to take it. We choose to say, yes, I receive that gift of grace and mercy. I receive that gift of forgiveness. And if that's you and you're ready to do that today, just make this prayer yours. I'm just giving this to you as a model prayer for what I hope is in your heart. Make this yours. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you that you love me so much you sent your son to die for me. Thank you. Jesus, I believe you live for me today and I believe that you want me to follow you. And so today I choose to say yes to you. I choose to surrender my life to you. I choose to follow you. I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. Now if that's you, in your own heart to say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. And that moment you do, you enter into that new life, that eternal life, into that unshakable kingdom. Doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away, but it means that you now have a God in your heart who's bigger than all your problems. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. That's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're not done yet. It's early. We told you we we're going to come back and finish with a couple songs of worship this morning. But I want to encourage you. I know you might be tempted to say, oh, I'm going to get out of here and go home. And Now, this could be the most powerful 10 minutes of your life right here. Because we're going to take communion together. And the way we do it here at East Point is it's open. You don't have to be a member. Uh, it's, it's an open table. There's uh, two different kinds of cups. There's a stacked with a ju juice, open juice, cup cr and a cracker in the second cup below it. Or there's a sealed pack if you're concerned about germs or whatever. And the very back table, information table, is even gluten-free. So we got plenty of communion available, all different kinds for you. But the point is, what I want you to do is as we worship, we've got two songs, about 10 minutes. As we take this time to worship, I want you to come. And rather than just walking up and down to the communion and walking back, I want to encourage you this morning to come and take even just a moment. When you come, you know, and I think it's Mark 14 I read this morning, where Jesus took the cup and what did he do? He gave thanks to God. The night he was betrayed, the night before he was going to die for you and me, the night before the worst day of his life, Jesus thanked God. Would you take just a moment as you come and grab the cup and take
take the, the cracker this morning. Just as you come, take a moment and say one, one thank you. Say, God, thank you. At the very least, say, God, thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for your broken body for me. Or say, thank you, God, for my spouse who's up here standing next to me. Or thank you, God, for saving my kids. Or thank you, God, for what I know you're doing in my heart. Take one moment, one second, thank God before you participate in communion today. But let's do that. A couple songs. You come as you're ready. Take communion, and I'll come back and wrap it up. As a kid growing up, one of my most favorite people was my grandma. My grandma Cole, my mom's mom. Small, short, most of the years I knew her rather frail and fragile, but an amazing woman of God. And I watched her go through tough things in her life. When she was pregnant with my mom, her husband was killed in a hunting accident. My mom never knew her dad. But when my grandma was alive, you'd ask her, Grandma, what's God doing in your life? Or what do you think about God? What's happening in your life? And she would always say, just that. He's a good father. He's a good father. Next Sunday, we're going to take a look at the challenges of how to overcome the struggles, the problems, the things that happen in our life, and to still remain thankful. I encourage you to come back. But today, if you need prayer, prayer team will be down front. If there's something that you need us just to stand with you in prayer, please go this way. If you begin your life to Christ follower, tell somebody, you're going to make their day. Come let us pray with you. Let me know. On the tables, by the doors, it's a packet for new believers. Got a Bible, some material, starting walk with Jesus. Our next uh, steps class, the first steps class is uh, first Sunday in December. Sign up for that. Please attend that. It'd be great. And then a week after that, we're going to do water baptisms. And it'd be great for you to do that as well. If you missed the offering or you have prayer requests, you still want to put them in the black box and do that as you go. But here's my prayer. Here's my hope for you. Go today. Regardless of whether the Seahawks or the Cowboys win or lose, go be thankful. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here.